You are listening to the Landmark Sermon Series, a sermon podcast nearly 40 years in the making. You'll hear the voices of our church's founding pastors, Dr. James Reeves and Alan McBrayer, as well as others who helped pave the way for City on a Hill beginning all the way back in the early 1980s. Our hope is that these sermons bless you and challenge you in the same way they have blessed and challenged so many others in the past. For more information about our church, visit www.cityonahilldfw.com. say that uh, this sound system has improved since I was here last time. Boy, Hattie, this thing's hot. <laughs> I like that, though. Uh, I hope that, and there it goes, I hope that everybody is going to be able to hear very well. I want to make an announcement before, uh, before I begin to preach. Um, nobody really has said anything about it this morning. I was really a little bit surprised. Maybe no one has noticed. Maybe they're just being polite. But my, the attire that I have on my feet, um, I've been in Texas I uh, lived in Texas too long to quit wearing boots overnight. And so, uh, you know, it may take me a while, but I think with this heat and humidity down here, it probably won't take but about another week. <laughs> and the boots will go in the closet for good. And then I can get into, uh, I guess, what is Florida? Sandals? Or is that what? <laughs> what are we wearing in Florida? Anyway, flip-flops. Okay, flip-flops. Well, I have to get a pair of those. Um, but my boots, you know, are kind of dear to me. They kind of get close to you after you wear them for a while. You pay enough for them. They ought to be. Uh, there's so much that I want to say this morning, and uh, I'm not going to try to say it all because we'd be here all day long. But as I was thinking about what to begin with on this first Sunday, uh, some things began to come to my mind, uh, some things about what I hope and pray that we as a church can begin to see, can begin to pray toward, and can begin to see happen. You know, life is filled with all kinds of special moments. Life is, is, is completely packed with those special moments that, that we seem to never forget. One of the greatest days of my life was the day that I graduated from high school. And I remember that day very well. It seemed like I had the entire world right there in the palm of my hand. I was going to be moving off. I was going to be going to a new way of life, going to college, new friends. And life at that time seemed to be so filled with potential that I could almost not bear it. One of the most exciting things about it all, I suppose, was the fact that I was going to be moving away from home and getting an apartment of my own, and, and as if I had not been doing it for a long time anyway, being my own boss, if you will. And life at that time, when I graduated from high school, the night I walked away from that stage, seemed to be right in the palm of my hand. And many of you here today can remember the day when you were first married. Life never seemed brighter, life never seemed happier than that day when you got married, and for a very good reason, because in a very real way, you were beginning life again. As you molded your life with the life of another person and stepped out into that, uh, that world together, in a real way, life had begun again, and life was so filled with potential for living in that experience. In a real way, in the marriage relationship, joys can become more intense because you're able to share them, and the burdens of life become lighter because you divide them, and life is filled with potential in the marriage relationship. I am told, and I do not know yet, someday I may. My wife is sure that I will. But I have not experienced it yet, but I've heard that the greatest experience in life is the day that you hold that wrinkled, red-faced body for the first time in the hospital, and you know and you realize that you had a very vital part with God in the creation 
of that life. And within that little tiny bundle resides so much potential for living of life. There hardly is a father that is in the building today that would not say that when that first son was born, he dreamed of the day when that son would, would lead the Miami Dolphins or the Dallas Cowboys, closer to my heart, that to their 35th Super Bowl victory or someday on, on a blazing tennis court would beat Bjorn Borg at the Wimbledon Championship of Tennis. And that's great because within that little life resides so much potential for the living of life. For every minister that has dared to dream, each minister dreams of the day when he will step into the pulpit for the first time of his first church as their pastor, as I am doing today, my first time before you as your pastor. And as I look out at the building, going to the Sunday school building this morning and here in the auditorium here, the place of worship, as I look at all of the facilities here on, the, on these grounds and I see the people that are here this morning, and then as I drive through the neighborhood through the week and meet people and see all of the homes, the literal thousands of people that are within a stone's throw of this building, I am overcome with the potential that we have for serving Jesus here at Southwest Baptist Church. I am awed, and as I've said before, I am humbled with the potential that we have as the people of God in this community to live life and to serve Jesus with that life. The question only remains, what will we do with it? What will we do with what God has given? There's a story in Scripture that talks about potential. It's at the same time a very sad story and a happy story because on the one hand, two individuals have lived up to the potential which they had been trusted. But one individual did not quite make it. One individual, because he was afraid, did not live up to the potential which the Master had given him and received the rebuke of the Master. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard Version of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 25. We'll begin reading with verses 14 and go through verse 27. This is a story about a master who decided to go away on a long journey. So he called his stewards in, he called his servants in, and he is going to entrust his fortune in the hands of his stewards, the hands of his servants. And so he calls them in and, and he, he leaves his money with them and he goes away. Now, that is not unusual in the day of Jesus for a master to go away and to leave his fortune in the hands of his servants because one of the primary prerequisites to be a steward in the day of Jesus was to be faithful and to be honest. So it was not unusual for the master to do that. They did not have the uh, developed banking system that we have today. So the master calls his servants in and he says, I am going to leave my fortune with you. And so the master goes on his journey. With one servant, he leaves five talents, a great sum of money. To another servant, he leaves two, and to another, he leaves one. Read with me, if you will, starting with verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey, who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them. And he gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, 
the master of those slaves, came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more, saying, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who also had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went away and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow, and that I gathered where I had scattered no seed. Then you ought to have at least put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Now, in this story, it is a story of potential. It is a story of two individuals who achieved the potential which the master had given, and it is a story of one who did not. Two of them invested well, one out of his fear did not invest at all. And when the master returned, he had nothing to give. And as I was reading this story and looking through here, I became aware of the fact that the master had given them much, much more than just a sum of money. In fact, what he had given them was a gift. He had given them the gift of potential. Two of them invested and had something to give when the master came. One of them did not. And when the master returned, all that he had was what he had been given in the first place. And as I look at the story, I become aware of the fact that the gift of potential, the ability that these individuals had with that sum of money to go out and do with it as the master had left it with them to do, that gift for serving their master had been given to each and every one of them. The master did not call his servants in and say, You, sir, I will give five talents to and you over here, nothing for you. You come, and I will give you two, and you stand over here, nothing for you. No, in fact, what the master did is he brought his servants in, he brought his stewards in, and he said he gave each one of them, as the Scripture says, according to his ability. One of them the master knew was able and capable of handling five talents, a great sum of money, and so he gave that servant five talents. Another one was capable of handling two, and so the master gave him two. And the master knew that the third servant was not as capable maybe as the others to invest, and he gave him one. But the, the point of the, the matter is that the master gave the gift of potential to each and every one because the giving of that amount of money represented the ability of each servant to go out and serve his master. And each and every one of them was limited only by his imagination he did not give them all the same amount to one five, to one two, to one one. But the matter is that the gift of potential, the ability to do with what had been given, was given to every one of them. 
their abilities were different. The amount of capital that was given varied, but the gift of potential was given to all. Not long ago, one of my favorite shows was on TV. And it's a show that everyone has seen. It's been on television, I suppose, ever since the, uh, the play was first written. It's The Wizard of Oz. And it was on about six months ago. And as I watched The Wizard of Oz this last time, I noticed some things that I'd never noticed before. If you remember the three main characters in The Wizard of Oz, there is the lion who wanted courage, there's the tin man that wanted a heart, and the straw man that wanted some brains. And so these three individuals, the three main characters in the story, The Wizard of Oz, set out with Dorothy and Toto to go see The Wizard of Oz in hopes that somehow the wizard would be able to give them the gift which they desired. But I noticed this time something I'd never noticed before, that as they are on their way following the yellow brick road to go see the Wizard of Oz, it becomes apparent to me that each one of them already possesses the gift that they were going to see the wizard about. Because at times, the lion steps forth with great courage, only to shrink back in fear because he has convinced himself that he does not have courage. And at times, the straw man shows a great amount of intellect, only to draw back in ignorance because he has convinced himself that he has no brain. And at times the tin man weeps with such emotion and such heart that he even rusts up and they have to oil him up only to draw back in coldness because he has convinced himself that he cannot feel. And at the end of the story, each one of them begins the process of understanding that they already possess the gift. And it was only when they came to that realization that the gift had already been entrusted to them that they were able to begin the process of developing the potential of that gift and the living out of that gift in the reality of life. In a very real way, each and every one of you has been given a gift. And I have heard individuals say, you know, James, uh, I'm not anything special. I can't sing. I can't preach. I can't teach. There's just really nothing special that I can do. There's just really nothing special about me. And I always have to respond, nothing could be further from the truth. Because the fact is that you are a divine creation of, of God himself. And in that, in that, you are a special person. Within that is the potential for the living of life the way that God originally intended it to be. And each and every one of you, myself included, we are all limited in our development of who we are as the people of God only by our own willingness to step out and take a risk and develop that potential, even as the tin man and the straw man and the lion were willing to go into the presence of the Wizard of Oz. They were willing to take a risk because they wanted to develop that potential. Each and every one of you has been given that gift, the gift of potential, and you are limited in the development of that gift only by your own willingness to step out and take a risk. Now, at this point, it all sounds very well and good. And I suppose that maybe through some of your minds, the line is going, well, James, that sounds real good. You, you say that, uh, you know, here you are, you know, you're up here uh, in front of a large group of people preaching. Obviously, you know, you have that gift. Uh, and you say, you know, that's fine for you, but I don't have a gift like that. And you say that I have this great ability, this great amount of potential that resides within. Where's the blueprint? Where's the roadmap by which I could go about developing the potential that you say 
is there. And as I go back to the story and go back to the scripture, it becomes obvious to me that the master did not give a blueprint. The master did not give an outline to his servants of how they were to invest their money. The master not, did not give a roadmap. In fact, the gift of potential is given in freedom. The master did not call his servants in and say, you, sir, will invest in gold. And you, sir, will invest in land. And you, sir, will invest in, in some other endeavor here. The master did not give them a blueprint. He did not give them a roadmap. He did not give them instructions in how they were to invest. The master gave them the money and left it to their own initiative to grow and to serve him in their own imagination. And it was only by the initiative of each one of them that the five talents could become ten and that the two talents could become four and that the one talent could have become two had the servant not been afraid to take the risk and had he stepped out and done what the master wanted him to do. Helen Keller is one of the most inspiring uh, stories that I have ever read in my life. When I was young, I first read about Helen Keller, and it was almost beyond my comprehension what that woman achieved in her life. As all of you know, after only 19 months of life, Helen Keller became completely deaf and completely blind. She was born at a time when society looked upon individuals who had that kind of disability almost as something that is subhuman. In fact, in society in that day and time when Helen Keller was born, an individual with that kind of disability was more tolerated than anything else. And, but as I read the story of Helen Keller, I'm impressed by the fact that through the love and the encouragement of her teacher, Helen Keller did not give up. And because Helen Keller was not able to see with her eyes, she learned to read with her fingers. And because she was not able to hear with her ears, she learned to hear with her fingertips as she touched the throat of the person that was communicating to her, and she learned to understand the words that were being spoken to her. And because Helen Keller, even though she could not hear a word that came out of her mouth, Helen Keller achieved the ability to speak and to communicate with clarity. And you see, when one door was closed to that woman, she found another. She could not see with her eyes, so she began to see with her fingers. She could not hear with her ears, so she, hear, she heard with the tips of her fingers. And she illustrates beautifully to me the freedom of the gift of potential. We have been given freedom. God has not given us a road map. The master did not give a road map. He did not give a blueprint. He has given to all of us the gift of potential and has given us the freedom to grow and to become creatively. And that's the beauty of the Christian life, the fact that we are free to grow and to become creatively. Helen Keller went on at the age of 24 to graduate from Radcliffe College and became a respected lecturer and writer around the world, teaching and speaking to other individuals who had similar disabilities. And Helen Keller illustrates the fact that the gift of potential is given in freedom. God has given us the gift and have left it to our initiative to develop, to grow creatively as each of us will. God has entrusted each of you with very much. And he has not given you that blueprint, but what he has said, this is what God has said to you. As my people, you are given the ability to grow, to develop, to become creatively. And when you see a need, you, are, you have the freedom to meet it creatively. You have the freedom to meet that need creatively. Whenever you see a broken life, you as my people have the freedom to meet it 
and to heal that broken life creatively. And when you see an empty light, and this is the most glorious thing of all, when you see an empty light, you are given the freedom to fill it with Jesus Christ. You have been given that gift. You have been given the gift of potential. And each and every one of us is limited in our ability to serve the Master only by our own imagination and our own willingness to step out and take the risk of serving Him in some way that we never thought of before and stepping out and becoming what God originally intended for us to be. And finally, as I go back to the story and thinking about this gift, the the gift of potential, it becomes apparent to me that not only was the gift of potential given to all, not only was it given in freedom, but the gift of potential was given in responsibility. The master did not go away that day, never planning to return. He intended to return. He knew he would return. The servants knew that he would return. In fact, the servant who went out with the five talents and invested it, invested it in, in, in anticipation of the day when the master would return. That's why he did it, because he knew the master would come back. The one who had the two talents went out and invested his two talents in anticipation of the day when the master would return. And the one that had the one talent, he went out and buried his in anticipation of the day when the master would return. He knew the master would return, and he was afraid. He was afraid to take a risk, and so he went out, and he buried it. And the day did come. The day came, the scripture says, when the master returned, and he called the servants in. And the first servant came and stood before his master, and he said, Master, you gave me five talents. I invested them well. Here, I have five more to give you. And the master's reply, he must have been so excited, He said, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the the servant who had been given the two talents came before the master and said, Master, you gave me two talents, and I have invested them well, and now I have two more to give you, master. And the master's reply with joy was, well done, good and faithful servant. But then the third servant, the third steward came in, and he said, Master, I was afraid. And so I went out, and I took the talent that you gave me, and I buried it in the ground. Here, master, is what you gave me. And the master looked at the servant, and he said, You lazy and wicked servant. He says, You at least could have put it in the bank where it would have been safe, and at least I could have had the interest when I returned. You wicked and lazy servant. And as I read the story, I become aware of something. And it's very important that you understand this. It's very important that we all understand this. That the master did not hold the one who had been given two talents responsible for the same thing that he held the one who had been given five for. Because, see, the one that had been given five made five more. And he received the same recommendation, the same commendation from the master that the one who had only made two more. And so the master did not judge them on the amount of their success. He did not do that. He never does. He never will. The master judged them on whether they had been willing to take the risk of investing. The one who had been given the one talent was judged not because he had not multiplied the talent, but because he had not taken a risk. He had gone and buried it. He had not even tried. And he was judged by the master because of it. The one who made two received the same commendation the one who had made five. The master held them responsible for what they had been given and nothing more if they had been willing 
to take the risk of stepping out and serving their master.